But um, you'll get time to chat later uh, in your breakouts. Um, but we're going to keep moving right along um, and bring up our next speaker. Oh, she's already up. <laughs> she matches that chair. It's perfect. Erin um, Cole. Okay, just because I did this with Renee, too. Get a showing of hands of anybody that knows Erin Cole. Oh. Um. Erin is near and dear to so many of us here at Grace Bible Church. I always describe Erin to people as the real deal. Erin is um, just one of the most godly, amazing women that, and I don't say that flippantly, godly. She seeks the Lord in everything that she does. She has always been so open and vulnerable with her life in the in the highs and the lows and the joy and the pain. And because she's been willing to do that through her mouth and through her Caringbridge website and just through different venues, she has blessed so many people. I know people who have a desire to live their lives differently from having brushed shoulders with Erin. She just has that kind of impact on you. And so, um, and she and I are going to be related someday because her son Paxson is going to marry my daughter, Georgia. (laughs) So, um, anyway, but you will be blessed by Erin. It's kind of like, this is really easy introducing to do because I love these girls and because I can't tell you too much about them because that's what they're here to do. But um, sit back, relax, and enjoy just hearing from one of the uh, most connected to the Lord women that you will ever hear from. So. I'm not sure who Lisa was talking about. That was very sweet. I must have paid her well. (laughs) Um, Well, I'm Erin Cole, as you heard. Um, I want to just introduce myself briefly. I'm 35 years old. I work here at Grace part-time. I work in the office. My title is the generalist, which means people have to salute me. Not really. (laughs) But it sounds like it. Basically, I just do lots of different things, and I I love getting to work here and the people that I get to work with. It's really a blessing. Um, I'm also a professional portrait and wedding photographer, kind of on the side. Um, love doing that. I also lead a, a women's Bible study here and have a wonderful group. Many of my ladies are here, so I'm very thankful for that. Um, I've been coming to Grace since 1995 as a junior in college at A&M Whoop, when I started uh, coming here. So um, like, Le- like Lisa said earlier, I'm not a speaker. I mean, I'm not a, not a professional speaker. Um, I'm very humbled to be here. I come as your servant, as your friend. I hope I get to be all of your friends someday. When she asked, she asked us back, I don't know, eight months ago to speak, my first thought was, no way, Jose, I'm not going to do that. Y'all must be nuts. But I, I really was convicted that the story that the Lord has given me and that I've been able to walk through is important enough to share. And I would have been being disobedient if I said no, because I have too much to talk about and too much to brag on about the Lord, because he's been so... So kind to me and so so good to my family. Um, so I'm going to have to look at my notes a lot. <laughs> so also, please know that the desire of my heart is not to portray me. I don't want you coming out of this going, wow, she's so amazing because it's not me at all. I have nothing apart from Jesus, nothing. And I hope that he is glorified and honored with, um, with what I'm going to talk about. So I'm going to start with telling you a love story, much like Renee did. Okay, there we go. Good. Everyone likes a good love story. We all love to watch chick flicks. We like to watch the right guy end up with the right girl and just what, um, what fun that is and how it makes us feel. I mean, all of us probably like to get in our jammies and eat cookie dough and watch a good movie with a good girlfriend. 
Um, my love story is a little bit unique, which you'll, you'll come to hear in a little bit. Um, I graduated from A&M in 1997. Whoop. I never hear anybody whoop to 97 anymore. I'm old army. <laughs> uh, I moved away for about a year and then came back here. And I was 25 years old and I was living here. And I, I felt ancient. I mean, Renee was what, 33, 34 when you got married. I mean, 25. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so old. I'm going to come back here to this town. And I, I came back to do college ministry and work at, um, do a corporate job here in town at that time. And was on college ministry with our not paid, but just volunteer like an intern with a lot of those people in Renee's pictures. It was so fun to see. Um, so I thought, for sure, I'm not going to meet anybody that I can marry here because they're all like 19, and that's weird. <laughs> so, but I knew that the Lord wanted me to be here, so I just had to say, okay, I'm just going to trust the Lord and stay here. And pretty soon after I got to that point with being somewhat content with my singleness, not completely, because I never really liked it, because uh, I wanted to be married as well, um, I met Lane Cole up there in the pictures. Um, he was introduced to me by mutual friends, and we met at the Cinemark Movie Theater. Oh. <laughs> we went to meet some friends. They were there, and he was there, and his mom was there, too, and she's here, which is really funny. So I met, I met her the day that I met him, um, and we actually saw the movie Meet the Parents. Have y'all ever seen that? <laughs> I remember that day thinking that he was, he was really cute, and I noticed that we laughed at the same parts of the movie. Of course, it's a hilarious movie. And we both thought that the uncomfortableness in that movie was really funny, so I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> um, so um, our first date that we went on by ourselves was really weird because everything we were sharing was the same. We both had been certified to scuba dive. We, we both had made mosaic crosses. How weird is that? We, I mean, we both loved we both loved the Lord. We both loved sharing him with people. Um, I was so impressed with him and just the, the heart that he had for others and especially um, for Jesus. And also, a new thing for me, I had been a little bit boy crazy before Lane, and a new wonderful thing was I never wondered what he was intending in our relationship. He was very clear. He said, I want to date you to see if the Lord wants us to be married. And I thought, wow, wow, a boy is telling me what he wants? That's crazy. Before that, I'd always you know, gotten with my friends and said, okay, he said this. What does this mean? I'm sure you've all done that. <laughs> but I didn't have to do that this time because he, he told me what he wanted. Uh, he encouraged me. Oh, here's another. Hold on. There we go. This is while we were dating. Um, he encouraged me, and that's at Research Park. Yay. <laughs> he encouraged me and built me up very well. Um, my love languages, we discovered through dating him, we read the five love languages, are words of affirmation and physical touch, and he just couldn't go on more and more about how wonderful I was. I thought, I love this man. This is so great. <laughs> uh, we also had committed not to say I love you until the day we got married, if that ever was to come. And so we would write, I heart you, on things. And, <laughs> and so one day, and I was actually roommates with Heather Bryant sitting up here before she married Jamie, and one day, we, we used to never mow our grass. We were really bad about it. So he came over and he mowed it into my yard. I love you. <laughs> uh, about six months after we met, we were engaged. This is our proposal. It was in Farmington, New Mexico, up on a cliff, with lobster and steak, a violin player, and a singer. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> um, and then, this is one of our engagement pictures. We were married right here at Grace Bible Church. Um, almost a year after the day we met. Four days shy of the year. So we, we dated for about six months, and we're engaged for about five and a half. And that also was the very first time that we kissed at the altar. 
Um, and that was, well, that's another story. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I was thankful that his boundaries were way higher than mine. <laughs> Just put it that way. <laughs> um, that was a wonderful, very special day. Loved it. Oh, by the way, that was December of 2001. So, um, our first, well, oh, also, Lane was an airline pilot. He flew for Mesa Airlines, and before that, he was a football coach um, and a, a high school biology teacher. So, our first year of marriage, that's us in New Mexico, um, we flew all over the place because we could fly for free. We moved seven times, seven times. We, we used um, an air mattress, a card table, and Whataburger utensils for the whole time. <laughs> we kept moving. But at that point, it was, it was really fun. I don't think I'd want to do it now with two kids. Uh, but it was, it was very fun. We went to Europe three times, $25 a pop, woohoo, uh, because he was able to fly. Um, and then, the story changes a little bit, 13 months into our marriage, he had a seizure. I'm so not a crier, but I, oh, that's, it's, it's okay, though. <laughs> do it. Thanks. <laughs> um, 13 months into our marriage, he had a seizure. And we, that wasn't normal. You know, we thought, well, what's going on? And we were actually in New Mexico at the time visiting his brother. And after being in the hospital and having tests run, we found that he had a cancerous brain tumor. Not just the, you know, okay kind, but malignant, cancerous. You know, this is a bad thing. They told us it was the best kind of brain tumor to have. I'd rather just not have a brain tumor. But um, I guess that was, that was a good thing as well. Um, that began a very difficult year in our marriage. Most people's first years are hard. Our first year was fun and easy. Second year was very, very hard because he could not fly. He could not drive. So he lost his job, basically lost his freedom somewhat. If he wanted to go somewhere, I had to drive him or his mom had to drive him, which for a man, that's really stinky. You just, you know, you don't, don't want to do that. He also went through some, some pretty serious depression, just dealing with what is the Lord doing? And he, he trusted God. His faith was very strong, but just so confused. And he would say ugly things to me, and I would give it right back. I, it's amazing how, you know, they, they say you always hurt the ones you love. Well, that's very true. And I'm, I'm, I'm still sorry for things I said to him at that time as he was with me. He, he also took steroids. I don't know if any of you know anyone that's been on steroids, but it's, it's terrible. It's like Jekyll and Hyde. Like my sweet Lane that was so loving would be very not him. So... Um, that was um, definitely um, a, a very rough time in our marriage. And I, I really had to rely on the Lord in those times. Because, you know, it's, it's very easy to love somebody that loves you back really, really well. But then what, what do you do when you love somebody who's not loving you back very well? And I'm just not saying him. with, with it's bo- Both of us were, were doing this. I remember a time when things were... So, we also had to move in with his mom, which I love his mom. It was, it was fine. But, you know, when you're newly married, you don't want to live with your mother-in-law. <laughs> but I love her. She took us in. Um, I remember a time that was so bad, and I was so at the end of myself. I drove to Carter Lake and sat on the bank and just bawled. Like, bawled and I'm, like I said, I'm not a crier, but just bawled my eyes out to the Lord and said, I, I can't do this. This is so hard. This is not what I imagined my life was going to be. I imagined a white picket fence and just one... All the things that we, as women, dream of that we're going to have. And that's not what I had. But God was good, and he was writing my story. Um, so that, yeah, that, was a, that was a pretty rough time. But thankfully, he had brain surgery. That's a post-brain surgery picture. You can hope you can see the big scar on, on, his, on his head. He still had stitches at that point. Um, after 
brain surgery, radiation, and chemotherapy. Well, he didn't have chemotherapy that time. Anyway, um, they, they never really said that he was in remission, but he was better. And so everything got a little bit better. Um, our, our second wedding anniversary we spent in Paris, which that was pretty nice. <laughs> um, and then um, I was working at that time when I got uh, back here. I had, I had to do something for work, and I had a friend here that worked at Singular. Remember Singular, the cell phone store before there was AT&T? So I was working. Not really my life's uh, dream to work at a cell phone store, but I did. And then thankfully, the Lord brought me a job working here at Grace. And um, I worked for Pat Coyle at the time, you know, the, the missions pastor. Um, and so I started working here, and then Lane couldn't fly, so you know, he needed, wanted something to provide for our family. So he began to flip houses, which you probably know what that is. It's very popular on all the like TLC. Of course, they always make a whole lot of money. We never really made a whole lot of money. But <clears throat> uh, he would fix, fix houses up, and, or buy homes, fix them up, and resell them. And it was a great thing for him to do because... He was never really fully back to normal with his health. He, he might have to take a nap one day and then work the next day. But it really worked out well, and the Lord really provided. So then we prayed a lot about having children. Should we have children? And me, I thought, well, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. Because what, what, if, what if you get another brain tumor? What if something happens to you? Something could have easily have happened to me as well. But we decided that, yes, we, we wanted to have kids and if the Lord took Lane, he was going to take care of me and vice versa. So we just had to decide, okay, we're going to trust the Lord. And we, we got pregnant with Paxson. There we are in Greece. This is kind of funny. This was our third. and We spent our first three anniversaries in Europe. I was pregnant with him there. That's in Greece. Our fourth anniversary after he was born was in Galveston. <laughs> <laughs> Kids definitely change your life. <laughs> so there is Paxson. Lane Cole, named after his daddy. He was born in May of 2005. You can tell Lane was a football coach. He's got the football play written on the board in the hospital room. <laughs> this was our Christmas card picture that year in 2005. And this is Halloween the next year. I'm not really sure what we were dressed up as. Obviously, he was a cute little dinosaur, but we were a little bit scary. Lane was wearing my earrings. <laughs> That tells you a little bit about his personality. He was lots of fun. Um, and here is our Christmas card picture from 2006. I kind of just want to give you all an overview of, what, you know, of the family. Then two years later, in February of 2007, we had Preston Lee Cole, another boy. who's named after me. My middle name is Lee. And my father, who's actually here. He's the only guy in the room. So, yay, Dad. <laughs> uh, um, so during this time, all these years of having kids and waiting, we continued to go back to MD Anderson every six months for checkups because things could possibly come back. And so we kept going back, and every time we were nervous, but trusted the Lord and decided, okay, you know, and it was fine. Every, every time it was fine, it was fine. So we were very, very thankful for that. But there was always a little bit of nervousness in both of us. This is Thanksgiving weekend of 2007. And this is Halloween that year. Lane was a mountain climber, and I was a farmer girl, and we had Thomas in the little poo honey pot. <laughs> and this is Lane and Preston. And then this is August of 2008 in Denver at um, Six Flags there. We were, we were visiting family and on a backpacking trip, and Lane was very outdoorsy and into backpacking, and he, didn't really, he, he wasn't able to climb a big 14er with his brothers, and we just thought, oh, he's just tired. No big deal. Um, and then about three weeks later, in August of 2008, we went to MD Anderson for a routine MRI checkup, 
and found another brain tumor, which well, we were heartbroken. Um, the doctor sent us home with the, whole, the entire box of Kleenex because we're just bawling. Um, and we found out subsequently after he had a biopsy that this time it was a glioblastoma, which, I mean, I didn't know any of these crazy words until all this, but basically that's the worst kind of brain tumor to have, a stage four, uh, which is the, the worst. The first time the best, second time the worst. So I remember the next day um, our, our oldest son, Paxson, was in Kingdom Kids, and the next day we went to his little open house thing for Kingdom Kids, and it just felt very surreal because we hadn't told anybody, and we told our family, but not really our friends, just to be there and know wow, this could be the last time that we, that we do this together. Um, I just you know, didn't know what, what was going to happen. Of course, we prayed for a miracle. I had prayed many, many times for a miracle and for God to, to heal him through the years and for it to never, never come back. Um, he went to Houston five days a week for radiation treatments with the help of many people in this church. This church, the body of Christ, is just, this is what it's supposed to be like. We had, I had signed up, different people, I was working, or no, I wasn't working because I was the mom, but um, I, I couldn't really take him to and from Houston every day, and he stayed with, with my parents quite a bit as well because they live very close to the medical center, so God provided that. Um, and then we did multiple rounds of basically every drug that you can do when you have a brain tumor. Um, some of them some of them worked for a while, um, some of them not, not so well. Uh, this is our, our Christmas card from 2008. There's really so much that happened in this period. It's hard to, to sum up. Um, but a few things that are definitely worth saying in the story is, first of all, Lane never complained. He never complained. He lost his peripheral vision. He lost his, not vision completely, but he couldn't drive again. Um, he often saw blurred and double. He had lots of headaches. He slept a lot. Uh, went through really hard times again when he was on steroids. Not, not himself. Um, for quite a long time, several months. Once he got off of them, he was back to his sweet self. And I thought, well, at least it wasn't his fault that he was such a toot. <laughs> <laughs> <So. clears throat> Thankfully, I handled it a little bit better that the second time because I knew, yeah, I mean, I, I, knew, I always knew that he loved me. The whole time, even when we were most mad at each other, we never failed to say I love you. I'm very thankful for that. But there were a lot of times when I wouldn't have known it any other way. Even though I said it, I didn't, I didn't feel it. I didn't, I didn't see it. That's, again, not what you imagine when you get married to this amazing love of your life person who loves you as Christ loved the church. But it wasn't entirely his fault, and I knew that. But that was, that was pretty rough for me. Um, also, I was pretty much single-momming it already at the time because he just didn't have the ability to really help. He wanted to. He just didn't feel, didn't feel good enough. So to, serve and be, and to serve and not be served is, is really hard, really, really hard. And I had lots of pity parties to myself. I'm like, this is not what I wanted God, this is not what I want. <laughs> but he was writing my story and so faithful the whole time to, continue, to hold me up and make me able to, to deal with it. My selfishness definitely reared its ugly head many times. But I also had the example of Jesus because what did he come to do? To serve. Again, easier said than done. Um, and God called me, thankfully, to serve in sickness and in health. You think about what you, what you say when you're doing your marriage vows Sure, I'll serve you in sickness and health. I'm thinking like colds and flus and, you know, the easy stuff, not brain cancer. But I did say that I would do that, and, and I did. And I was honored to be able to, to serve him. Second um, Thessalonians 5.24 says, He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. That kept me going many, many times because I thought, there's no way that I can handle this. But he has called me to serve and to love and he will do it. 
He will do it. That is a promise. No matter what you're going through, no matter what trial you have that you think is, is so hard that you can't do it, you can't. You're absolutely right. But the Lord can. And I saw him provide so abundantly just in the way that I was able to, to serve him at that time, even though I wasn't being served. Now, this is our... Oh, oh, yay. I forgot I had that one. <laughs> this was when Lane was on the full-blown steroids. You can see his face is a little bit puffy. That's what it does to you. But this is when... My stepdad married his wife, who is wonderful, and she is here as well. Um, and we had little tuxedos for the boys. They're so cute. <laughs> Match their dad. And this was our Christmas card picture from 2009. And Christmas Day of 2009, he went very, very downhill very fast. He wasn't able to eat Christmas dinner. He couldn't even get the fork to his mouth. It was very hard to, to watch, and it was very fast. Uh, we, went, we went to the hospital at MD Anderson, and basically they said, we can't do anything else. We're, we're out of, the arsenal is empty. We're out of tricks. Um, thankfully, he had been able to live that long. But it's like, okay, well, what do we do now? So we came back home. He entered hospice care. And um, for about three weeks, we um, had to help him do everything. And again, it was, it was so hard to watch, but such a blessing. I mean, that, that's what it's about, y'all. I mean, when you have to serve somebody like that, I had to help him go to the bathroom and he couldn't walk. He was in a wheelchair. It was a rough, it was a rough time. But we had lots of help from people here. Had sign-up sheets. People come in that would come help, help with the kids or come help me. And my sister-in-law and brother-in-law moved here from Colorado to help us. Such a huge blessing. Um, so three weeks later, <clears throat> January 19th of 2010, so 14 months ago, he went to be with the Lord. Uh, about 6.15 in the morning. And I, I heard his last breath. And I walked up to him. I said, you go and hug Jesus. <laughs> Because I knew he, was, he could run to Jesus and so much better than the life that he had. And I knew he, he would be met with, well done, my good and faithful servant. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Well, there he is with the boys. <laughs> Sorry. Talk about sympathy crying. <clears throat> um, so this was our Christmas card picture this year. So since losing him, the reality of his loss has obviously hit very hard. I miss, I miss being married. Um, I miss him and the amazing godly man that he was. I missed watching him have quiet times for 17 years without missing a day. 17 years. He went on a mission trip in 1991 and to the Ukraine and saw that people there didn't have Bibles and didn't have access to the Lord like we did. And he was convicted. I'm, I'm not going to miss time with the Lord. So I have piles of journals like this that he has written. Letters to his boys, to me, about me, before we, we even met, before he knew who his wife was. It's so precious. Um, I, miss, I miss his accountability. I miss him calling me out when I'm being a toot, which happens pretty easy. And he was good. He was really good at calling me out on it, too. I wouldn't say I really liked that part. <laughs> I miss just having fun with him, curling up on the couch and watching Lost or... American Idol or our favorite movies. We, we, we had a lot of fun together. Um, I miss also what I know could have been for my boys and for me and what a wonderful husband and dad he could have been had he not been sick with cancer. So when I look at my family now, it looks like the love story has ended, especially in the eyes of the world, because this is not, I mean, you'd probably think that's not a happy ending. Would you want to watch a movie about this story? Probably not. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not going to watch that twice. <laughs> <clears throat> <What? laughs> 
if we are not looking at our circumstances with an eternal perspective, it looks like the love story is over. However, I really, truly and honestly, with all my being, believe the love story is not over because it's not between me and Lane, chiefly. It's me and Jesus. And he has pursued me since forever. And he will continue. And he is my bridegroom. The Bible calls us, you know that, he calls us the bride of Christ. And so I still have him. Nothing can ever take me away from him. This was one of my favorite verses during that time. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And though the rivers, they will not overflow you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. I, had to, I just had to cling to that. Like This, is, this feels pretty um, like I'm drowning and these rivers are going to overflow me and I'm going to be burned. But I wasn't. It was hard for sure, but God was so faithful and carried me so well. So, how did I get through the journey of Lane's seven-year battle with brain cancer with any degree of success? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, thankfully, praise God, I trusted Christ at age 13. And though I I went through kind of a stupid rebellious phase in late teens, early 20s, and then um, started coming to church here as a sophomore at A&M and got involved in Bible studies and finally decided, okay, walking with the Lord is way better than doing what the dumb stuff that I'm choosing to do. So one of the essential steps for me and not losing it was making the choice to walk with God before the storms come and before, even before the blessings come. A lot of times when the blessings come, we, we don't attribute it to him if we're not already walking with him and all, every blessing comes from him. Um, you must know where your foundation is, much like the story of building your house on the rock instead of in the sand. And thankfully my foundation was the, the rock, Jesus Christ. <laughs> So here is, and all this is on the handout that hopefully you, you have. Um, this is what I try to do. Now, try is very much um, important here. Try to do. I have not arrived. I have not figured all this stuff out. But these are the things that I feel like the Lord has taught me that he wants me to, to share. <clears throat> the first is choose to trust in God's promises and seek to learn and believe them. If you're an English person like me, you notice there's lots of verbs in that sentence. It's a lot of stuff that I need to do, choose, trust, seek, learn, believe. Walking with the Lord is not a passive activity. If you're going to walk through anything hard or anything good, it's, it's pretty active. And this is where my faith was proven and the rubber meets the road, is in a major trial. It's so easy to say, oh, yes, I trust God, when things are easy and you have everything that you want at the time. It's very easy. But when bad things happen, what are you going to choose? Do, do I believe what I tell others I believe? I've been blessed to be in leadership at this church for a while and leading Bible studies and random different things. And I was really convicted by, do I do the things I tell my girls to do? Do I, do I trust God when things are hard? In the quietness of my heart and the emptiness of my bedroom every night when I go to sleep in a king-size bed and I only pull down half the pillows because I don't want to feel like it's totally empty, do I trust the Lord? Do I trust that he's writing my story? And yes, he does. So one of the truths that I need to, to, to believe is that his plan for me is good. We know that. We, can, we, all, we all hear that. We know we can say that. But could I really believe that losing my husband... So brain cancer was good. Yes, absolutely I can. Because no matter what my feelings are or what the world says a happy ending should be, I, I, I ask him to help me see that, to see that his plans for me are good. And I have seen so many good things come out of it. 
I, I, I'd have to be up here for hours to tell you what they are. Jeremiah 29.11. I always loved this verse, especially when I was in college and you know, didn't have a major. I was like, what am I doing with my life? I don't know. But, <clears throat> for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That applies to no matter what situation you're in. He was prospering me and not harming me, although it might sound that way. It definitely wasn't. The next is, he loves me more than I could ever imagine. God's love was always one of my favorite attributes. I mean, who doesn't like that one? I, I could probably get rid of the God is just part, but God is love. Oh, I love that one. It just makes me feel warm and fuzzy to know that he loves me. But it was especially essential for me when my heart was aching for the powerful, tangible, physical love of my husband when it wasn't there anymore. And as women, we desire to be fully known, to be held, to be protected, to be cherished, to be rescued, like, like in all the movies. That's what, what, that's what we want. And I had that, so what happens when it goes away? We, God has wired it, or if you don't have it yet, or may never, depending on what the Lord's plan for you is, but we're, we're wired that way. God made us that way. But I really think that, well, and at, at the core of my being, I used to long for that kind of relationship. And I was blessed, very blessed to have it for nine years. <clears throat> but the truth is, God knows me, God loves me, God cherishes me and will protect me even more powerfully and without fail. And he's not moody when he's on steroids. <laughs> I pray so much for all of you that if you, don't, if you have a husband who doesn't love you as he once did, or if you don't have one at all, that you would feel the love of Jesus like a warm blankie on a cold, wintry day that just fills you up and gives you everything that you need. Romans 8, 37 and 39 says, But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He loves us so much that he gave his son to die for us. That's just amazing, especially now that I have kids. Those of you that have kids, have you ever thought about, what if God asked you to give up your child? I, I can't even begin to imagine what that was like for him. Thankful, So thankful that he did. The next thing I try to do is believe that everything that comes into my life has been allowed by God. Nothing surprises him. Nothing is beyond his power to change or adjust. His choices and plan for me are allowed so that I can reveal his glory. He doesn't always promise that we're going to be happy. Sometimes I, I wasn't. Sometimes I'm still not. But I do have the Lord's joy. The night before I married him, after our rehearsal dinner, some girlfriends, some of girls that are here, blindfolded me and brought me to the altar where we would get married right back there. And we prayed for our, for our, for our marriage, that we, that we would mean our vows and that God would do great things and we would love each other well and that we would honor God. Did the Lord know that nine years later, he was going to die? Of course he did. I'm glad that I didn't know at that time because I would have thought, there's no way that I can handle that heavy load. And again, that would be correct because I can't, but he did. And he is able and he will, no matter what trial the Lord brings you to. And I think the world can easily look at Lane having cancer and going to be with Jesus as a tragedy. But I really think that the real tragedy would be 
And if I missed the opportunity to see God in this part of my story, because he, he wrote that part of my story, it wasn't easy. And I know that God still works miracles. Sometimes he performs miracles in the way that we pray he will. You've seen people get healed. You see amazing things happen. God does amazing things all the time. But for me, the miracle he chose to accomplish was internal. And I think it was miraculous that I was able to walk with it with, walk through it with any sort of sanity was miraculous. He made me able to praise and honor him through the loss of my husband. Because of that, I should be thankful for the ways I have to honor him that others don't have because I have this unique witness. I mean, anybody that I'm going to talk to about losing Lane and trusting God through it, they're going to listen. I mean, who's going to say, well, I don't want to hear about your husband that died. How rude is that? (laughs) It's a great way to share the Lord with people, and I've had multiple opportunities to do so. On heavenly terms, it's not bad. On our terms, it definitely seems like it is. I'm sure all of you have a season in your life that you can see that God worked in. Sometimes he is the only explanation for how we get through hard things. The next is, I had to choose to believe that God would provide for all my needs, spiritual, emotional, and practical. Practically, I can't even begin to tell you all the things that God did for our family. I'd be here for days this time. Just amazing. I, I wish I had time. People selflessly gave of their time to help with Lane, to help with Paxton and Preston, help in the yard, um, resources, gift cards. This past year, someone sent us $1,000 in HEB gift cards in an unmarked envelope. $1,000 in HEB gift cards. We got over $10,000 in my kids' college fund after Lane passed away. There's so many examples about amazing things that God did. Um, in, my, in my professional photography business, I use my laptop to work. I don't have a desktop. And my laptop was dying. It was slow. I was having weird lines on the monitor. And a friend from this church was, came over when Lane was in hospice and was helping with Lane. And I was working. And he looked at it. He's a computery guy. And he was asking me, why did I pick that laptop? And I was telling him, didn't think anything about it. And then two weeks later, he shows up at my house with a brand new laptop as a gift for me. So Paxton gets to play on the old one. And it's really slow. <laughs> It's his computer, but that's great. He thinks it's fast. (laughs) Emotionally, God provided for me, most importantly, in my identity and knowing and believing who I am in Christ. I don't need the the verbal praise of others, though I sure like it, especially coming from my husband, who was very complimentary, telling me I was beautiful and wonderful and a great cook and a great mom and all these things that he would say. But again, that's not there anymore. So what happens to me when, when a source of my identity that, that could have been chief over Jesus is taken away? Um, thankfully, I know who I am in Christ. Part of that is being in a church that teaches that. that we, we're so blessed to be in a place where we know who we are in Christ because we hear it all the time. Spiritually, he provided because I have everything I will ever need in Christ. Everything. Everything. He has equipped me for whatever he has called me to endure. And he lives in me through his spirit, just like he does with all of you. Ephesians 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Notice, every spiritual blessing in Christ. It doesn't say, I have some spiritual blessings in Christ, or one or two, all of them. The fullness of who Christ was, the power that raised him from the dead, is available to me, because he's in my heart. That's amazing. And it's true. And we all, if you have Jesus in your heart, if you've trusted him as your savior, you have the same power. I don't have any more than you do. 
Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and his Holy Spirit is available to all of us that know him. That's a pretty awesome truth. <laughs> the next thing is that I try to do is choose to embrace the assignment he has given me. That's a hard one because my assignment right now is to be a widow and a single mom. Not what I pictured for my life in a bazillion jillion years, ever. I pictured growing old with Lane and working in the yard and doing whatever old people do. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoying one another. (laughs) Um, My choice is in that. This is my assignment. My choices are I can renounce it and throw a fit and say, well, I don't like this. Because a lot of times I don't. But it doesn't change my position that this is the assignment that God has given me. I tell my kids all the time, you get what you get, so don't throw a fit. <laughs> that applies to us too. I got what I got, so I need to, I got what I get, I got what I get, so don't throw a fit. <laughs> so I, again, I could live in denial, but it would be a waste of a unique witness. If God has given you a story that you have walked through that is uniquely yours, even, it doesn't have to be losing your husband to brain cancer. It can be being unemployed or walking through singleness for longer than you would prefer Having um, a kid with a disability, I mean, so many things that God gives us that is our assignment, that is our unique witness, and we can use it to honor him, especially when he carries us through things like he does so very well. Even if your witness is trusting God with being single for what feels like forever, um, you, can, you can use that. I'm single again. I didn't really like it the first time, but here I am again. <laughs> but that's the assignment the Lord has given me, so prayerfully I can honor him in that. Another one of my big verses for that time was um, Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. It's nice, but what do, what do I know about fig trees and vines and olive crops? And that doesn't mean much to me. So I thought, well, how do we bring that into what, something that means something to me today? Though I am a single mom, though my kids will grow up without their dad, though I have to be mom and dad to them, though I feel overwhelmed at my to-do list every day, <laughs> other things might be, though my husband is unemployed, though my husband doesn't show that he loves me anymore, Though I don't have a husband and I'm still single, though I have a rebellious child, though I worry about my future, though I hate my body, I will rejoice in the Lord. It's a promise. It's not just, ah, I will rejoice in the Lord. It's so easy. I will rejoice in the Lord because he is my strength and he gives us the ability to do that. It doesn't mean I'm always going to like my circumstances, but I can rejoice in him because he gives me the ability to do that. The next thing I try to do is pour my heart out to God when I need him. When I'm frustrated, impatient, discontent with my situation, when I'm tired of putting my kids to bed every night by myself, mostly, dealing with the same discipline issues by myself. You know, I I can't use the old standby, you just wait till your dad gets home, mister. (laughs) Because he's on permanent deployment with Jesus. So, not possible. Um, when my heart breaks because I have to throw the football in the backyard with my five-year-old because my husband cannot, I have to pour my heart out to God and trust that he's going to provide people to do the boy things. I don't even know how to tie a necktie. I'm like, that's a boy thing, but God will provide. I just have to trust that. He is my very present help in time of need. Psalm 46, 1 and 2 says, God is our refuge and strength, 
a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Trouble. What kind of trouble is that? Is it like when we break the law kind of trouble? Like, oh, I'm in trouble. It's not. The Hebrew word means distress, affliction, and anguish. He is a very present help. When we are distressed, when we are afflicted, when we are anguishing, when our heart is breaking, he is a very present help in that. Therefore, we will not fear. Again, I believe that is a promise. Because he is our very present help, we will not fear. It's a promise. He gives us that. The next one is, I choose... Oh, and this is, this is great because so many people are here that this has to do with... Choose to surround myself with people who remind me of truth, especially when I'm tempted not to believe it. This was absolutely essential for me. I could not have made it through the trial or continue to make it through the trial that I'm still in without having people around me to support me, encourage me, and pour truth into my mind. When I say things like, who's going to play football with my boys? You know, God will provide. And I have been blessed with friends that help me remember that when it's hard to walk through those things. Part of that is I have to be honest and vulnerable with what I'm struggling with so that people know how to encourage me and know how to pray for me, which is very hard for us. Renee and I are going to talk about that in the, in the next little session is the importance of being honest and being vulnerable with what you're going through so people know. I have to be honest with things like my boys growing up without Lane, if they're going to be affected by that. My peeps, my peeps, I love my peeps. They remind me that though my kids will miss him, God is their heavenly father. They, he, they will always have the Lord. He loves them more than I do. And he will provide for them in ways that I haven't even begun to dream up. Because that's the kind of God he is. He goes above and beyond what we can ever ask, imagine, dream up in our wildest dreams. And I know that he will. I don't know how he will, but I know that he will because he says that he will. And we need to believe what he says. Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore... Encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. In Hebrews 3.13, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I can't encourage you enough, if you are going through a trial, to share it with your friends, with your friends that love Jesus. We're not made to walk through these, these things by ourselves. We, we're not by ourselves, we have Jesus. But we need people around us who will remind us of truth, whatever the situation may be. You have to get out of your pride and out of yourself and forget worrying about what people are going to think about you. You just say, okay, I'm struggling. I need help. I need you to pray for me. Please tell me what's true. Sometimes even if you know it, you don't, you don't feel it. But we can't base our, our walks on the Lord with, by our feelings. That would be disaster, like a train wreck, because our feelings, we, we just can't rely on them. There's a few th- two things that I tried not to do with the Lord's help throughout this trial. And the first is not to get mad at God. I don't know if it's just maybe a personality thing. I'm, I'm pretty easygoing to begin with, but I chose at the beginning, I'm just not going to get mad at God because if I do that, I mean, he can handle it if we're mad at him. If we don't like something he's done in our lives, he can, he can take it. He knows it anyway. He knows our hearts down to the very core. But if I chose to be mad at the Lord, then I'm putting a self-imposed barrier wall between me and him because when you're mad at somebody, you don't want to talk to them. You don't want to have fellowship with them. You don't want to see them if you're mad enough at them. And if I chose to be mad at God, then I'm only hurting myself because I'm putting a barrier between me and him. And he is the one that I need the absolute most. Because though I have been blessed with an incredible family and amazing friends, it's nothing like the Lord. Nothing like the Lord. So I chose not to be mad at him. I could be disappointed in my circumstances, but it's just not worth it for me to get mad at God. The next is not to focus 
Ooh. on the what ifs, the if onlys, and the whys, which if you have read Calm My Anxious Heart by Linda Dillo, which a lot of our women's groups did last semester, it's excellent. I think everybody should read it. It's one of those books you should read like every six months. And whenever God brings a new season into your life, it's like, oh, I need to read that book. One of the things that she talks about is the what ifs, the if onlys, and whys. So what does that mean? What ifs look to the future and worries about what God might allow. If onlys look to the past and grumble about what God has given. What ifs lead to anxiety. If onlys can lead to anger. I don't want either one of those. The list of these things I can dwell on are humongous now, but I have to choose not to do that. Not easy. Some of my what ifs. What if I'm not a good single parent? What if I can't provide for my family's needs financially? Which I have to leave that up to the Lord. What if my kids turn out weird because they don't have a dad? (laughs) What if I'm single again for the rest of my life? What if I never get to experience marital intimacy again? I liked that part. (laughs) When, When what ifs come into our lives, we must ask ourselves, are we going to judge our circumstances? Are we going to judge God by our circumstances? Or are we going to judge our circumstances in light of the character of God? There's a big difference between the two. Then the if-onlys. That's a whole other one. Going through the if-onlys over and over again can just cripple us spiritually. We can catch the, this is what she says, the if-only disease when we dwell on what we don't have instead of on what we do have. I can dwell forever on what I don't have, but I have so much and God has given me so much. We can easily become discontent and lose perspective. Well, I don't have her cute figure. I don't have their big house. And my house doesn't look like this room looks. Like, please come decorate my house. (laughs) Especially as women, comparison is the thief of joy. And we were so prone to do that. Oh, she's cuter than I am. Her hair's curly and mine's straight. I mean, you just, it can go on and on. Some of my if-onlys are, if only Lane would not have died. If only I had taken care of him without ever grumbling and wanting to put my needs first. There were many times he needed me to serve him, and I just didn't feel like it. Well, sorry, bad attitude. If only I would not have done that. If only I weren't so selfish. If only Lane were here, he could fix my broken faucet, take care of my yard, throw the football with my boys. If only I didn't have to parent my kids by myself, especially when they need a father figure and a manly role model. A couple weeks ago, I was looking in my five-year-old's piggy bank and found um, uh, some money from Iraq. And I thought, where did this come from? I said, Paxton, where'd you get this? He's, after much questioning, he says, I took it from David's house. This is a friend, Julie Raymond's son, David. It's a friend of ours. So he stole money from a friend's house. I hope this isn't foreshadowing for your life. (laughs) So I'm like, this is the kind of thing he needs the dad to say. You don't do this, you know, a little spanky. And of course I did that. But just don't tell again, no CPS. <laughs> um, there's things that happen all the time that I wish she was here for. You know, if only, if only, if only, if only. So many things. If only I could have more self-control. If only I could submit to the Holy Spirit more. What's my problem? Why is it so hard to trust God? If only I could do these things. If only I had more patience. If only my kids never disobeyed. <laughs> We'd be in heaven if that was the case. <laughs> What are your if-onlys? What are your, um, what was the first one? What ifs? Yeah, that one. Thanks. <laughs> so how can we be cured of the if-only disease? 
We survive the pain and trials that God allows into our lives by remembering who he is and what he's done in the past. When you remember his faithfulness and the ways he's woven your story, you cannot help but be encouraged. If you look back over the course of your life and the story that he has already written, how can you not see that he's been taking care of you the whole time? It's easy to wake up every day and go, okay, Lord, you blessed me yesterday, but what are you going to do for me today? It's a new day and what a terrible attitude. But a lot of us live that way. If we just look back and see how God has taken care of us, that, that's so encouraging. Psalm 77, 11 through 14 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? None. <laughs> you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. Have those things stopped? No, they haven't. He is the God who performs miracles. We are supposed to remember them. Meditate on his works. Meditate on his works. Think about what he's done in your life. There's lots. Then there's the wise. I don't think the wise need much, much elaboration. I'm sure we've all been guilty of the why disease at times. We all want to know why God blesses us with certain things or why he allows certain trials in our lives. Why does he give us this? Why does he give her that? Why, why does he do these things? We want God to explain himself to us, but, you know, he's not required to do that. He's God. <laughs> he only asks us to trust him. So some of my whys are, why did God allow brain cancer to take Lane's life? Why did he choose such a hard trial for me? Why can't I be like Jeannie in the old TV show and go, dink, dink, and have my house be clean? You know? <laughs> what are your whys? What are you struggling with in your life? One of the best ways to not fall into these traps is to choose contentment. Contentment is totally a choice. That's kind of the main thing about Calm Anxious Heart. Are you going to choose to be content or not? I love this definition of contentment by Holman's Bible Dictionary. An internal satisfaction which does not demand changes in external circumstances. If you have the Lord in your heart, then you have joy. You don't need, we, we all like good circumstances, but you don't need them. So the main theme here is definitely choice. We have to choose to believe God, choose to live in belief of his promises or not. Logically, if you don't, you're only hurting yourself. So the ending to my love story is I have a Savior who loves me with an everlasting love that I can never, ever, ever be separated from. Nothing on this earth, nothing created, not even Satan, he's created, can separate me from the love of God. And I am the bride of Christ. Not the wife of Christ, but the bride of Christ. So what's the difference? I might be reaching here for a cool illustration, but I thought it was kind of fun. We're all girls. So you think about, hey, when you picture a wife, you know, what do you imagine? Probably something like that. <laughs> You've got a kid hanging on you. You've you got water came out of your washer. The toast is burning. Or maybe you have three kids hanging on you, and you have a bottle, and you're on the phone. And, you know, it's a little crazy, a little stressful. I'm not saying that being a wife is bad. It's one of the biggest blessings I've been able to, to do. But it's just a little crazy at times. I'm sure you can all <laughs> attest. But then you think about a bride. What A bride. What do you think about when you think of a bride? Someone special. <laughs> I took Renee's bridal portraits. <laughs> so I had that. You think of someone special, someone prepared, someone honored and cherished and ready to meet the oncoming challenge of being a wife. That's what we are, the bride of Christ. Let those words wrap around your heart again like a warm blanket on a cold day. 
So my story, my love story, my story in general, is not a happy ending on the world standards, but it's more than that. It's a joyful ending because the Lord has given me supernatural joy. I can truly say I am thankful for the road that I have walked because of him. And I will take joy over happiness any day. There's a lot more of this story. It was very hard to condense. Um, I kept a Caring Bridge blog where I wrote about the whole thing. So if you want to read more of the story, it's on your handout. You can go there, and there's a journal section, and you can start at the beginning and read all the way through. It might take you several weeks because I'm a bit long-winded. But <laughs> it's really cool how the Lord used that because I had a lot of friends that wanted to, to know about updates about Lane. So I would write things and about what God was doing in my life. And then they would send it to their friends. They sent it to their friends. And I had family members who don't know Jesus that would post things like, wow, God is real. Amen. God is real. <laughs> These are the times. That's why we have to share friends, ladies, precious people that you are about what God is doing in our lives because that is what's real to people. You can share the gospel, you can share theology, you can talk about the trinity and dispens, whatever that word is, I don't even know what it means. <laughs> Dispensationalism. But does that touch the hearts of the people around you? It's your stories that do that. When you see, the Lord, when you hear Renee talk about her precious dad, trusting Christ and meeting Matt, and we all have stories to tell. That is where the Lord works, is in the stories of the heart, even if it's not a happy ending. So, would y'all pray with me? Father, I just thank you, abundantly thank you for all that you've done in my life, the ways that you've taken care of me, taken care of my family. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to brag on you in this place and just how amazing you are and how you can carry us through things that we never imagined possible. I thank you for your love, your support, your faithfulness, even your justness. I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, to make it possible for us to know you. I pray that if there's any women here that don't know you and the fullness of your riches and mercy and grace, that they would come talk to somebody that does. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, and real quick, while we're still all together because we're getting ready to split into breakout sessions, I just want to just have Renee and Aaron stand up. And I just, I mean, I know clapping is cheap, but I, y'all, I just want them to feel the love. The spirit was in this place tonight. But I know how much heart and soul they have put into what they shared tonight. And were we all blessed by it or what? So thank you so much. Oh, not a dry eye in the room, right?